Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. to make sure that our freedoms are balanced by our love for God and for His people. And in the process of that understanding is the truth that some of those things which I'm free to pursue simply should be left alone, both for my good as well for the good and the nurturing of brothers and sisters. As a Christian, your freedoms end when you're no longer edifying the Lord in your life or when you bring damage to a brother and sister. In today's message, Pastor David continues teaching about the pressures the Corinthian Christians found within their church. There was a debate about the best practices for interacting with their pagan culture. Paul emphasized that following God is more important than rituals, rules, or the food that we eat. For living the Christian life is about building up the body of Christ and being a light to this world. To do this, we may need to set aside our own preferences to prevent others from stumbling. Now here's Pastor David with part three of today's message entitled, Meals That Stumble. upset, flustered, stumbled because you have a little bit different way of living out your faith than they do. It gets back to that spiritual one-upsmanship. Well, because you don't do like I do, well, that really stumbles me. Well, you know what? If you're a mature believer, you need to get over it. You need to just get over it and press on in Christ. You're not a baby in Christ anymore. Now, if you're a new believer, and there's something that is said or done that really causes concern for you, then hey, you know, we want to do everything we can to encourage you in the faith and to strengthen you in the faith and not leave anybody behind in the midst of this thing, thinking, well, wow, they're just so far out there. I'll never be able to get there, or I'm so apart from what they believe in that thing. What Paul is saying, mature believers causing new believers to stumble. So bear that in mind. He runs his whole same argument, actually, in the book of Romans, in chapter 14. Now, let me ask you to go there, if you would, in chapter 14 of Romans. Same argument, the same situation that's going on. Freedoms that are being found in Christ by some of these Gentiles and by many of these Jews and others that are still bound either by the law, they're bound by the culture and the impact of that. Romans chapter 14, verse 1. Paul says, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. Doubtful things. You ever wonder what doubtful things are? 
You know, I've got a lot of people that they'll tell me, you know, the Bible is black and white, black and white, black and white. Okay, what does the Bible say about watching television? Where's the black and white in there? There's a lot of things that we've got to look and see as believers. Uh, Paul himself speaks about those things that your conscience tells you. Man, you, you deal with those, but don't try and put that on somebody else. So these doubtful things is what he's speaking about here. Verse 2, he says, For one believes that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Again, this whole idea of the pagan worship, the pagan meat at the, from the temples and stuff. He's not speaking about that if you're a vegetarian tonight here and uh, you're weak in the faith. That's not what he's saying. Uh, verse 3, he says, let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. Let not him who does not eat judge him who does eat. For God has received him. He's saying, hey, you know, for you, okay. Man, if that's where your conscience is, that's fine. But don't judge this other brother. And if for you, this is the way it is, well, that's fine. Just don't judge that other brother. As a matter of fact, in verse 4, he says, who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. And beloved, this has nothing to do with someone's choice of eating vegetarian simply as a health issue. It's dealing with that spiritual struggle that was going on uh, through their outside actions of these believers. Some of them mature, some of them immature. And it's more than just eating or, or not eating. It's even in the celebration or the non-celebration of certain days. Look what he says in verse 5. One person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in their own mind. Fully convinced in their own mind. Do you see, in essence, a great freedom there? And he's saying, let you be conceived in your own mind. Because he who observes the day, man, he observes it to the Lord. For those that want to worship on on Saturday, and man, they've dedicated that day as unto the Lord, and they really believe that that's what the Lord would have them do. Praise God. I'm not worried about that. A, A Saturday worshiper can go to heaven just like a Sunday worshiper can, okay? It's not a big deal. And Paul even says it right here. Man, you observe that day to the Lord. Or to the Lord, he doesn't observe it. He who eats, he eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. He who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat, and he gives God thanks. I was raised in the South. They've got a lot of weird things on their menu. There's a whole lot of things on that menu I can't give God thanks for because I ain't going to eat it, okay? (laughs) But some do, and they love it. I'm not saying that it's bad and that'll cause them spiritual harm. I'm just saying I just wouldn't eat that stuff. They eat it, they give God the glory, great. Give me something that I can identify what it is and I'll give God the glory for it. Should we worship on Saturday or Sunday? Should we celebrate Christmas? Should we celebrate Jesus' birth on December 25th when we know he probably wasn't born on the 25th of December? Should we celebrate Ishtar, Easter? Shouldn't we just celebrate the resurrection of Jesus? 
And shouldn't that celebration actually be the first Sunday following Passover instead of the weird schedule that we're on now? And sometimes we have Easter uh, three or four weeks before Passover. You can't imagine all the discussions that I've gotten into in 40 years of ministry over these very, these very subjects. How wrong we are in how and when we celebrate or we don't celebrate. What we do or don't do correctly according to someone else's understanding of the truth. Oh yeah, and by the way, don't you know that anything other than the King James Version (laughs) is a perversion of the Word of God? Now, no apologies for you that use King James. You love King James, that's great. I was raised with King James. Most of the scripture that I memorized as a child, I memorized King James Version. When I read and study now, I'll read and study the New King James mostly, but I'll also use other versions of the Bible. Are there some bad versions out there? There's portions in just about every version of the Bible that you can find that there's problems with, including King James Version. Verse 7, still in Romans. Paul says, none of us lives to himself. No one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. It's so easy to judge each other based on our own spiritual scale. It was happening in Corinth. It was happening in Rome. It's happening in the church still today. Instead of understanding, you know what? We are all part of the body of Christ. And some within the body of Christ struggle. Some within the body of Christ, they're hurting. Some in the body of Christ, man, they're they're just beginning their journey. Even though they surrendered to Christ 10 or 15 years ago, they're still walking as babes in Christ. Why? Because they haven't been nurtured or their commitment hasn't been all that it should be or they've had battles that have knocked them back uh, three steps for every step they took forward. There's a multitude of reasons. And when you and I see each other and we come in contact with each other, you have absolutely no idea. I have absolutely no idea the battles that you have gone through, the battles that I have gone through, the battles that any of us have gone through over that last week even maybe that last day before I made it in here tonight to hopefully an oasis that I can just lay those troubles down. Why are you judging one another? He says, therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this. Don't put a stumbling block or cause to fall in your brother's way. I know and I'm convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. Even chicken gizzards (laughs) or hog jaws or head tacos or, you know. But to him who considers anything to be unclean, 
To him, it's unclean. And yet, if your brother is grieved because of your food, you know what? You're no longer walking in love. So don't destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Again, this whole idea, Paul's conversation, his argument here is in that area of causing a a weaker brother to stumble because of the freedoms of a more mature brother. You can't get around that portion of the argument. At at the beginning of this argument, back in verse 1, he declares, receive one who is weak in the faith. So you need to understand that's what he's dealing with here. And yet all too often, we find that those that are offended, offended in something, they're actually mature Christians, as I said earlier simply have a differing opinion in certain areas. But rather than agreeing to disagree in some areas, they get offended and they let everybody know that they're offended. For them, I believe that they simply need to grow up, stop acting like you're a baby Christian. Don't wear your spiritual feelings on your shoulders. Understand that each one of us, as we look and as we study the Word of God, we look at it and we study it, in the discernment of the truth, but each one of us see it, we live it, we experience it through the eyeglasses of our lives, past experiences, and understandings. If I come from a, from a world where, you know, I've never been in a church, never read the Word of God, and at uh, 40-something years old, I come to a saving knowledge of Christ, and all this church stuff is brand new to me because I've lived out in the streets, and I've lived a hardcore life all of my life, and I come in here. You know what? You people are weird to me. You are totally weird to me. And I'm probably weird to you. But you know what? I'm your brother in Christ. So how do we work together? Some might have come from a, a situation where, man, they, they grew up in a church. Uh, they, they call it high church. And, man, there's a lot of ritual, a lot of ceremony. Every meeting that they would have, there were certain prayers that you would say. There are certain times in ceremony you would stand up. Other times you would kneel down. You would go through these things. There are certain prayers that everybody would pray every week. And that's what church was for you. And you come into something like this, and you know what? You guys are weird. I've even seen some of you raising your hands in church. Some even shout out in the middle of it. That's weird. But you know what? If I know Christ, I'm your brother. And you're my brothers and you're my sisters. And we need to work together as we live through this, as we experience this. Again, agree to disagree in some areas. Don't get offended. You don't need to, uh, again, cause a, a stirring. For, for those that are that way, I believe they simply, again, as I said, they need to grow up. They need to stop acting as, as immature believers. They need to come to know what they believe and why they believe it. What do you believe and why do you believe it? Do you believe it because that's simply the way you were raised? Or do you believe it because the Spirit of God has revealed to you, through the Word of God, these things? Well, don't misunderstand even that. Even Paul says, 
for those that are mature. There's going to be some things that we're just not going to agree on. You know what? If all of us were just alike, most of us would be unnecessary. But because of the difference within the body of Christ, all of us become necessary. Paul continues on. Let me close this out real quick. Verse 19, still in Romans. He says, therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Don't destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it's evil for the man who eats with offense. It's good neither to eat meat nor to drink wine. Oh, there he went. He went and said it. It's, it's, it's good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself and with God, before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. See, right there, Paul is saying, there's going to be this diversity within the body of Christ. Don't be a judge to one another. But he who doubts, he's condemned if he does eat, because he doesn't eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. Beloved, we still have that problem in the church today. You may not be concerned about the fact that I bought my hamburgers today over at Zeus's meat shop. That might not be the issue. But there are things in the world and in the actions of Christians which cause great division and great arguments within the body of Christ. Those of you that might be younger than... uh, I'll say 40 or 45. Some of these things might seem absolutely ridiculous to you, and so they should to all of us. But for my generation and the one that went before me, here's some major issues within the church. How many of you women are wearing pants? How many of you wear pants on a Sunday, no the less? Electric guitars and drums? Don't you realize that's the devil's music? Divorced people in ministry? Isn't divorce the unpardonable sin? You have a television at home? Well, at least you don't watch it on Sundays, do you? Movies? You go out to the movies? Well, maybe if it's G-rated. Christmas trees and Santa Claus? Don't you know that Santa, spelled sideways, is Satan? (laughs) Can a Christian really be used by the Lord if he or she partakes of wine or alcohol? Beloved, I'm not making light these life choices. I'm not making light those things that would be immoral, those things that would be destructive. We know those things, and there's many there. They're definitely, they're immoral, they're destructive. But no believer is so free that they could simply choose to live their lives any way that they want. Paul himself says that all things are lawful for me under grace, but all things are not beneficial to my spiritual life. Part of the problem comes back at us if in our freedom we flaunt it before the Lord and before our brothers and sisters in Christ. 
years ago, we as a church, we decided not to use Christmas trees as part of our decorations during winter months. Not because I had a problem with it, but because a family in our fellowship had a problem with it. And so here at the church building, we don't do Christmas trees during the Christmas season. But if you come to my house during that season, well, you might be offended. So if Christmas trees offend you, don't come to my house during that time. During our dinners for eight groups, those things that we're doing even now, there's some of you that host dinners and you personally don't have a problem with drinking a little wine now and then. You're not a raving alcoholic. It hasn't caused problems within your family. It's just not a problem in your household. However, we've chosen as a church not to have wine or alcohol connected with anything that the church does so that we won't be a stumbling block to those who struggle in those areas. Beloved, we believe in the sanctity of marriage, that marriage beds should not be defiled, that God's design for marriage is one man and one woman for life. But we also know that we live in a fallen world. That's not an excuse. That's just a reality. And God still uses broken, chipped, and stained people, people who have been damaged by this world. Not saying that we can jump from one partner to the next and the next, and God simply winks at our sin, but in realizing that when we come to the Lord with a broken and a contrite heart, confessing our sin, he's faithful and just, what church? To forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I dare say There's not a one of us in here that hasn't made some mistakes in their lives. Some of us have made major mistakes in our lives. We carry the luggage with us. Does that mean that God can't use us? I dare say no. I believe that God can because God is a God of reconciliation. Paul continues that same thought on into chapter 9, but we're not going to go into the 1 Corinthians. That'll be next week. We need to make sure that our freedoms are balanced by our love for God and for his people. And in the process of that understanding is the truth that some of those things which I'm free to pursue simply should be left alone, both for my good as well for the good and the nurturing of brothers and sisters. As a Christian, your freedoms end when you're no longer edifying the Lord in your life or when you bring damage to a brother and sister. We are free in Christ. He whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. But beloved, I'm not free to hurt you. I'm not free to bring damage into your life. And I'm not free to, again, Stretch the grace of God. Like Paul says, so should we just go on sinning that grace may abound? God forbid. That's not the heart of God. That's not the purpose of the body of Christ. We've come together to edify, to encourage, and to strengthen each other. Not to come and be spiritual one-upsmen on each other. That Christ might shine through us. And the truth and the hope of his word might be real in our lives. So you know what? When we struggle, we can actually come to one another because we know the love of Christ is there and holds us together. We're 
are so glad you joined us today on The Open Word for Pastor David Landry's verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. You can find more messages from Pastor David and information about The Open Word by visiting our website, theopenword.com. If you're looking for a home church and are in the Casa Grande area, why not join us for a time of worship and Bible study? Calvary Chapel Casa Grande has services each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. on Wednesdays and Saturdays. You can find location information and directions by going to theopenword.com and following the links to the church homepage. Now here's Pastor David with some information on how you can help support the ministry of The Open Word. Hey, I love being able to share the Word of God with you through this radio ministry. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. I know God is blessing His children through The Open Word, and God has given us a vision to see this ministry expand and reach even further. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. But join us again as we continue digging deeper into the book of 1 Corinthians, right here on The Open Word.